Welcome back. Jay Binkley and Brandon Kylie back with you next Saturday. Kramer, the Kramer Dog, producing the operation. Kickoff about to happen here in college football. This will get you set for the slate of local college football and national stuff. I talked to Yahoo Sports' Nick Bromberg about the college football slate today, and we started off talking about Kansas up there at Iowa State in Ames today. Yeah, you know, this is the, the battle for Iowa State to separate itself from the mess that is the middle of the Big 12. And I have an interesting stat here when we get to Kansas State. Um, but, you know, it's set up right now for somebody to take third, especially especially with the news that Spencer Sanders is out for the year at Oklahoma State. And apparently Drew Brown also suffered what is being termed a mild hand injury after he replaced Spencer Sanders against Kansas. So I think that game is there for West Virginia for the taking. I would say you can position yourself potentially to finish the year as the third-best team in the Big 12. How about Jared Dagey surprising him, the quarterback at West Virginia, finally getting his chance to play, and he'll be able to probably keep his red shirt. Here was a guy that was at Bowling Green last year, second in the MAC in touchdowns and yards, and that guy really, uh, speaking of Kansas State, he really uh, caught him off guard. He did, you know, and that was, it was one of those situations where when he transferred, I figured he was going to redshirt because they had Jack Allison. I think Jack Allison's now transferring. He is. And then you had you had Austin Kendall coming in from Oklahoma. So you figured, okay, Jared Deggie, guy who Neil Brown knows, you can sit him for a year, and then he can have the extra year of eligibility, challenge Austin Kendall for the starting job. And along the lines of West Virginia, I was thinking about this tonight because I think about random college football things when I'm bored. So do I. For the last five years in a row, West Virginia beating Kansas State last weekend. This marks the last five years in 2016 that the team that has beaten Oklahoma, the Big 12 team that has beaten Oklahoma in the regular season, has ended up losing to West Virginia in that same season. Wow. Wow. There you go, the nugget. Kansas State at Texas Tech. Now, it's not a must-win for when Kansas State. I think they've exceeded expectations, to be honest with you, Nick. They were picked ninth out of ten teams in the Big 12 in the preseason uh, ranking that's released during Big 12 media days, which isn't a surprise because that's always Kansas State. But to me, they've been kind of the, the the difference maker. I like Kleiman and what he's doing. And let's face it, Skylar Thompson had his most productive games the last two. Yeah, you know, and you go to Lubbock, and this is a Texas Tech team that's now playing for pride pretty much, you know, because they came back against TCU. I thought for a second they were going to come back and win that game. That's not happening. So you've got a Kansas State team. Get to seven wins, then you can potentially do it again. It's just like Iowa State. If Kansas State, we said it all the time, they finish eight and four, you can end the season with two good wins, you are looking at a potential camping world bowl for Maybe you go back to the Liberty Bowl. Maybe you go back to the Texas Bowl. This is about bowl selection. I don't think if you're Kansas State, you want to end up having to go all the way back out to the Cheesy Bowl. <laughs> Nick, looking at Missouri, they play it uh, tomorrow night against Tennessee, and Tennessee is a team going in a different direction than Missouri. And I mean Tennessee's going forward as they've won their last three games, including against two opponents in the Southeastern Conference. They'll play Mizzou this week. They're 5-5. Five and five. Mizzou's 5-5. Five and five. But I view these teams in two different directions. Missouri has only scored 27 points in their last four games, and then you have Tennessee kind of making a little bit of a late-season surge. Yeah, you know, we, I was on Knoxville radio station earlier today and talking about the same thing. These are, these are mirror images of each other. I mean, I, I go on with them every week, and we were talking about, I mean, they were lamenting the fact that this was just going to be an abject dumpster fire of a season in Knoxville. <laughs> and here they are, winner of this game is going to a bowl. And, and from, from a Missouri perspective, 
I quite frankly do not know what the difference is between 7-5 and five and 6-6 six and six with this team this year. They're going to beat Arkansas. Arkansas is probably the biggest um, bad word you want to say among Power 5 teams outside of Rutgers and maybe Northwestern. I mean, they're Yeah, LSU gets to play them for a chance to uh, win the uh, East or West. Yeah, and I think that line is 43 or 44 points, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Maybe the biggest line, biggest line in like 27 years in the SEC. So, you know, this is what we're talking about with Arkansas. It's just a bad, bad team. So if you're Missouri 7 and 5, 66, the worst case scenario obviously is 5 and 7. I don't think that's going to happen. That's when Barry Odom gets fired. If you lose to Arkansas and you end at 5 and 7, I think Jim Stark pulls what Arkansas did two years ago with Brett Bielema and Barry Odom may be gone right after that game. But Barry Odom, I think, stays around 7 and 5 or even 66. And goes to a bowl if they lift the ban. You know, right, exactly. So I haven't heard from the NCAA. You're probably going to a bowl. There's really not going to be much of a difference between a bowl at 7 and 5 and 66. I do think, though, no matter what happens, I'm not going to be surprised in the slightest that Missouri makes an offensive coordinator change at, uh, at the end of the season. I, I love what Derek Dooley did with Drew Locke. That offense looked fantastic last year. It helped Drew Locke be a second-rounder if I was drafted. It has not, in my view, adapted to Kelly Bryant's strength. He has much different strengths than Drew Locke did because Drew Locke is, an, is a top-round NFL quarterback. Kelly Bryant is simply not that. And, you know, this Mizzou offense has been absolutely stagnant. Yes, Bryant's not 100%. This is the team that has Tyler Beatty and Larry Roundtree. Love the dang ball. <laughs> uh, the game I'm looking forward to the most, Nick, it happens to be on the earliest at 11 o'clock. Penn State and Ohio State, top 10 matchup, basically for the Big Ten East. And, you know, Ohio State's 18.5-point favorites. And it's rare when the number two team in the country is playing the number eight team and being 18.5-point favorites. But to be quite honest with you, Ohio State's won every game by 41.5 points. The best corner in the nation in Okuda, the best uh, pass rusher in the nation in Chase Young, and Justin Fields not getting nearly the run because of, well, they've been destroying everybody. Yeah, you know, I think Justin Fields, when all is said and done, they end up just being like the third or fourth guy in the York for the Heisman Trophy. I, I, I think we're gonna, you're gonna, we're gonna look back into the, the season, and Fields is gonna be the, the token guy that goes to New York and ends up finishing a distant third or fourth when it comes to the Heisman. Um, but you're right, you know, it's crazy to me that, you know, this is kind of a down week in the college football, and we have one top 25 matchup, but the matchup of two top 10 teams, as you just said, and as they just said, it is a three score line on this game because Penn State had, was not that convincing. Had a great drive to finish up Indiana last week, but Indiana doesn't screw up that fake punt like the Indianapolis Colts did a while back. Who knows what that game turns out to be. And, and so I think Ohio State wins this game. I think Ohio State wins it easily. And then assuming Michigan does win at Indiana, I think that will actually be a closer game than a lot of people think. I think Indiana is actually a really pretty good football team. We're going to look at this and say, all right, Ohio State Michigan again, once again, for all the marbles in terms of the Big Ten East. And can Ryan, can Jim Harbaugh finally get a win over Ohio State now that Urban Meyer is on? And last but not least, Nick, as we're talking to Nick Bromberg, at Nick Bromberg from Yahoo Sports, Texas at Baylor. Texas uh, loses in heartbreaking fashion to Iowa State. Baylor blows a 25-point lead at home. The Atlanta Falcons that game against Oklahoma. They absolutely did. And this was this was Baylor. I hate saying it, but this was the close games coming back to bite Baylor because as we had talked about, you know, five of Baylor not five of Baylor's nine wins heading into this game were by eight points or less. I do not trust Texas in the slightest at all. I think Texas beats Baylor. And I 
don't think that helps the Big 12. I think, you know, we're talking about this in the context of the playoff. The Big 12 needs Oklahoma to keep winning and winning over stronger opponents. Spencer Sanders getting hurt at Oklahoma State hurts Oklahoma because that potentially takes away a really good win. Texas, they're a six-point dog. They go out and beat Baylor on Saturday. That then hurts Baylor's ranking for when Baylor and Oklahoma will probably play in the Big 12 title game. Big 12, I realize that everybody thinks the Big 12 is in favor of Texas. This is one of those situations where the Big 12 league office is looking at a perfect world scenario. It needs Baylor to beat Texas this weekend. Man, I'm looking forward to these games today. Got Ohio State, Penn State going on right now. The uh, Big Ten East as uh, I would say up for grabs, but Ohio State. I have seen dominant teams in college football. I don't think this team's getting talked about enough. Maybe it's scheduled. They, they've averaged 41.5 points per win. That That is simply amazing. It's pretty good. Uh, Okuda, it. the best corner in the nation. Chase Young, the best edge in the nation for that team. This draft is going to be full of Alabama and Ohio State. Alabama probably has seven first-round picks this year. They all came from the 2017 recruiting class. Unbelievable. Unbelievable what they were able to do. I don't see how you can easily find this talent that's just around. I don't. There's well, I, I masterminds. Can't think, I can't think of a recruiting class to have what, seven. Think about that. You're sitting there, National Signing Day, or the two that you have in college football now, and you're thinking, all right, we're going to have seven first-rounders. And Tua probably would have been or could have been the number one pick in the draft had he not hurt his hip. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's insane how they can easily find these kids, and they grow up to being stars. I think it's Joe Burrow, LSU quarterbacks. Uh, he's uh, QB1 right now. Yeah, he's QB1, easily QB1. Then you probably have Herbert after him. You know the one thing about – you know, here's the thing about Herbert. I mean, I, I'm kind of lukewarm here and there. I was a big Josh Allen guy at Wyoming his junior year. The year after that, I, I thought he struggled some, especially against good competition. Herbert's playing well, but I'll tell you what. Oregon, the reason they're ranked as high as they are at sixth, that defense. They have a top 10 defense in the country. So does Utah. The Pac-12 is kind of fun. Utah and Oregon, they could have a say in this. Like They could have a say over it because they're ranked ahead of Oklahoma. Oklahoma could run the table, win the Big 12 title, but they'd be playing Baylor again. If they play Baylor again, they say, hey, you just beat the same team twice. But to me, Oregon's got Arizona State today. But if they go with one loss, unscathed to the Pac-12 title game, win the day they're in. Utah, if they make it to the Pac-12 title game with one loss, and then they play as teams six and seven, they could be team five and six, depending on what the committee does with Alabama. They kept them at five, which they should have, but they do take into account who you're missing, who's injured. Like They, they understand that. Two is not there. It's Mac Jones now, part of that 2017 recruiting class, to be honest with you. But it's different. But if they meet in the Pac-12 title game, in the winner of that game, I think they're in. I think Ohio State at this point, LSU, Clemson, I think is in. And it could be the Pac-12 instead of the Big 12 in the college football playoffs. It'd be very interesting if that does happen. It oh, would be. It, oh. It's a good chance that actually might actually do happen. And I, I really, really liked Oklahoma this year because Alex Grinch had turned that defense around. That's one thing they didn't have was a defense. And then and then what happened in Manhattan that showed weakness. And so, then the fact that Iowa State in Norman took them down to the end of the game where just a two-point conversion, very close play, was the difference between Ohio State beating Oklahoma and not. And then Oklahoma falling back. 20, I give them all the credit in the world for that comeback at Baylor. 
down 25 points on the road. But they've been playing well. And I thought they were the complete team because I love Jalen Hurts and the way he's playing. He's going to go over 3,000, 1,000. The only guy in college football to do that. 3,000-yard passing, 1,000-yard rushing. He's got like 983 right now. Lamar Jackson, by the way, did that two years in a row. No one's ever done that when he's at Louisville. He actually put up almost better numbers after he won the Heisman Trophy than when he won it. But his team played better. Team's got to play good, usually, to win the Heisman Trophy. But Jalen Hurts is right there. Coming up next, interesting things that I thought uh, Mike Florio said. And it might have been the hottest of hot takes. It involves Patrick Mahomes. We talk about that next. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Leadoff. Jay Binkley with Kramer the Cream Dog. Brandon Kylie comes your direction next Saturday. Live and local here, all the way up to Kansas State in Texas Tech. Out of bounds, Dusty Likens, Nick Price comes uh, 12 to 3 in overtime with uh, Kristen Ocero, Jillian Carroll, and Julio Sanchez right before uh, Kansas State kicks off. I've heard some wild takes before, Cream Dog, and I saw this story and I heard this. Mike Florio. I will let you hear this, who uh, he says is not far away from Pat Mahomes. Now, I tried to quantify this, and I tried to just wonder where he's coming from on this angle. I was wondering if it's sizzling, lukewarm, or just a terrible take. I'll let you hear this and decide for yourself. Look, this, this conflicts with everything I've said most of the year about Cousins, but I don't think the gap right now between Kirk Cousins and Patrick Mahomes is as broad as people would think it is. Eh, I disagree with you. If we're looking at numbers only, that's one thing. That's a Grand Canyon size gap to me, to even put Kirk Cousins in with Pat Mahomes. After all, let's look at Kirk Cousins. 27.56 passing. Mahomes has more, 2,808. Kirk Cousins has on the year... Kirk Cousins, 21 touchdowns, three picks. Pat Mahomes, 19 touchdowns, two picks. However, Pat Mahomes missed two and a half games. And he still has more yards than Kirk Cousins. I will say this. I believe the Vikings have a better running game than the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not even arguable. Dalvin Cook's better than anything we have. The Vikings' defense is better than the Kansas City Chiefs. Kirk Cousins, earlier this year, had players on his own team complaining about him. Adam Thielen. Remember, he apologized, Kirk Cousins did on a radio show, to his receivers. How can you even make this statement to Kirk Cousins? I get it. Statistically, he's having a good year. And I have no problem with Kirk Cousins. He's fine. He's not Pat Mahomes. No. There's a separation. You could say a, a player's having a good year. Is he really? Like Tom Brady. Tom Brady on this list isn't even close to one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL yardage-wise. He's eighth in the NFL in yardage. 14 touchdowns, five interceptions. However, the big difference is he's got six rings. He's also got ice water in his veins. And I think Pat Mahomes has the ice water in his veins. Very few quarterbacks I would put on that level. Pat Mahomes is an elite quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, an elite quarterback. Kirk Cousins is on a middle tier. He's a middle tier. Good, he's better than average. But to say that the gap between... That that is that is being 
current currency bias, recency bias, put it that way, recency bias, Kirk Cousins been on a roll. Vikings, he lost Matt Moore. He lost the game to Matt Moore. It wasn't even Pat Mahomes. It was Matt freaking Moore that he lost to Kirk Cousins. He's got an outstanding defense with the Vikings. At that point, when they came into Kansas City, Dalvin Cook was the leading rusher in the National Football League. Can you even quantify that? I'm trying to like see which angle he's going for, and the only thing I'd come up with is hot take. That's It's exactly a hot take. There's- it gets people talking like me. I get it. it. served its purpose. Dalvin Cook's the second leading rusher now, but he's behind, barely behind Christian McCaffrey. But the Vikings are a good, solid, all-around team that don't rely on Kirk Cousins to do everything. The Chiefs have just had one game where they haven't had to rely on on uh, Patrick Mahomes, and that was against the Chargers. And, like, Kirk Cousins is probably one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the league, and he even almost had the point to where Stephon Diggs was almost traded or wanted out of Minnesota because he wasn't targeting him, and then we saw those receptions go 7-7-7 for Diggs, and then that's that went away against the Chiefs, of course. But he was he, this is a guy, a quarterback, that only makes – 50% of completions week in, week out. He is so inconsistent, and you should not even try to compare him to Patrick Mahomes. He's had, like you said, Stephon Diggs. There was a question if he's going to be traded. I was like, what are you doing, man? You guys are a good football team. Why are you whining? There's no whining with the Chiefs. There's no in-house whining where they're arguing with the players. When's a player ever said anything? They don't say anything. Pat Mahomes is a true leader. He has more leadership than Kirk Cousins could ever hope to have. That part's not even a question. Arm strength, not even a question. What he does with the football as quarterback, not even a question. To even say that you don't think it's very far off is a ridiculous notion. Look, this this conflicts with everything I've said most of the year about Cousins, but I don't think the gap right now between Kirk Cousins and Patrick Mahomes is as broad as people would think it is the hell are you talking about i'm trying to justify this and think of where he's going from what angle I, I try to see what people are saying what are they saying to say this is ridiculous there is not one gm in the national football league they would laugh if there was kirk cousins and patrick mahomes on the board and you had to pick one of them it is a hundred percent unanimous 32 teams out of 32 teams including kirk cousins own team who's taken patrick mahomes no, that's that's very true. Kirk Cousins, this is the remember, this is the guy that whined himself out of Washington. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in Washington anyways, but he complained and got out of there and got to Minnesota, got paid. But since he's got that money to his head, he's got he's done nothing. And I don't I don't I don't you know, I have nothing against Kirk Cousins. I'm just saying all around that football team is good. Again, he comes to Kansas City, faces Matt Moore, Stephon Diggs, one catch for four yards. Dalvin Cook wasn't carrying the mail that day. The defense wasn't carrying the mail that day. They needed him to step up and win the game. And what happened? Didn't step up. Doesn't have that gene in his body. Pat Mahomes is MVP. Again, Pat Mahomes already has more yards than he does. And he's missed two and a half games. One touchdown behind him. Missed two and a half games. Pat Mahomes is better with a dislocated knee than Kirk Cousins is. Nothing against Kirk Cousins here. I'm just saying to make a notion to compare 
to even put in the same sentence Kirk Cousins and Pat Mahomes is ludicrous. From the 816, Protein House, with the purpose text line 69306. Here's a hot take. Patrick Mahomes would be better and Cousins would be worse if the teams traded all 52 players. Oh, Pat Mahomes would tear up this league in Minnesota. No question about it. What would Kirk Cousins do with the Chiefs? Wouldn't be as effective. Wouldn't be as effective at all. He'd be basically Alex Smith or a little worse. Pat Mahomes would kill it with the Vikings. No question about it. I I mean, Stephon Diggs is good. Adam Thielen's really good. He's been banged up this year. Tyreek Hill, I would take over all of them, though. Travis Kelsey, I would take all of them. So Cousins would have those complimentary weapons, including the best tight end in the football. But I think Mahomes would destroy it with the Vikings. No question about it. But, especially now, now that he's been groomed with Andy Reid, now that Andy Reid's been here, but that combination is deadly. But even, even to insinuate, this isn't, you know, a fact that I like the Kansas City Chiefs or we're rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs to live in Kansas City. This is something I'd say if I was doing a show in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I would laugh at this notion that Kirk Cousins could be as good as one Patrick Mahomes. Is there one quarterback in this league you'd rather have? No. Yeah, no. What do you think the Bears are saying? I love that Pro Bowl picture of Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Mitch Trubisky. They know they messed up. I mean, getting a quarterback is not an exact science. It is different. That's why I said the Chiefs. This is why they're set, man. They've got the hardest thing to do in sports, and that's get that quarterback. I mean, yeah, the NBA, you know, certain things. If you have LeBron, you're going to be good and all this. I understand what he's doing in the Lakers. But you can make trades and whatever, put your pieces around it. Look at baseball. The best player that I think I've ever seen. This is not recency bias. It's Mike Trout. How many rings does Mike Trout have? None. He doesn't. It's tough. It's very tough to build a team in baseball. You get to build a full team. But in football, you need a quarterback. And that's what the Chiefs have. This is why we should be happy. Kansas City is going to own this division as long as Mahomes here. And they're always going to have a chance. They're always going to be in the spotlight. When the teams, like, look at all the tension the Chiefs have got this year. James Palmer, NFL Network, has basically been the Ed Warder when he was, when ESPN had him with the Cowboys all the time. He's with the Chiefs all the time. He comes down here all the time. He's not always with them, but he's with them quite a bit. They get a lot of attention nationally. The Chiefs are of interest because of Pat Mahomes. It's why Peyton Manning made Indianapolis relevant. It's why the smallest market in the NFL is relevant because of Aaron Rodgers. And it's tough. And I love it. I love the whole chess game of what's going on in the AFC West. Like you try to put yourself in the Chargers mindset thinking, uh-oh, we got Phillip Rivers that's probably done. And it'd be best for them to get a quarterback, let him sit under Phillip Rivers, do the Chiefs method. Of when they redshirted Pat Mahomes. That method, I think teams want that method. Many people would go the opposite, like Brian Billick, when he says, No, to, to get a quarterback, you gotta let him play. You gotta let him, you know, throw his feet to the fire, let him um see failure. The Chiefs didn't do that. They handed the keys to a Ferrari to Pat Mahomes. It it, it was it's hard. What the what the formula that was done here was the perfect storm. It was Alex Smith, it was it was a decent team around him, it was Andy Reid. It was the perfect, the perfect storm to take a quarterback when they did, have him sit behind. Not only that, can you imagine that first year Mahomes was here? 
what they were thinking at practice. Like seeing the things he was doing on the practice field. You heard from the players, like DJ and Tomba and stuff, talking about, you know, Mahomes, the no-look stuff, and this the trickeration, just destroying them on the scout team. Can you imagine seeing that every day? Knowing that your scout team's quarterback's better than your starter and not going to him, resist the temptation to play Pat Mahomes too early. That would have been tough. Because he would have been playing instead of Al. I would have I pulled a Nick Saban in the playoff game like he did with Jalen Hurts and Tua, with Pat Mahomes and Alex Smith. I would say this guy gives us the best chance to win in that playoff game against Tennessee. I would have gone Mahomes there. I would have. I mean, they were already up 21-3. to It's not like it But was- when they start coming back, and like, eh, you know, the offense is not moving the ball. They barely had the ball in that game. It would have been hard. When you know you have that kind of talent on the practice field, who wins the MVP just a year later, it's not that he was bad and then all of a sudden became good. And by that time at the end of the season, he was already groomed. He knew, and Alex Smith did a great job for him. And again, we should appreciate Alex Smith for what he did. The unselfishness that he did, knowing that one of 32 jobs, and he had it, was going to be gone because of Pat Mahomes. And then there was the notion, maybe they'll, no, no. They weren't going to sign Alex more than that. You don't draft a quarterback at the top 10 and have him sit two years. That'd be stupid. That'd be stupid. It would be. Kansas State plays at Texas Tech. I was able to catch up with John Kurtz on Rush the Field. We preview that game that you'll hear right here on 610 Sports Radio. John Kurtz in Lubbock, Texas, covering the Kansas State Wildcats. We'll check in with him next. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. We'll go back for the protein now. See with the purpose text line. So you're only saying that because you know what Mahomes is now. No, no, no. Go back to 610sports.com. Look at all my mock drafts months before the draft. Who did I have him taking every single time? Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes was not a mystery to me. I was on that bandwagon in the beginning. I'm not, I'm not Johnny come lately to the Pat Mahomes bandwagon. I was already there. I was already driving the bus months before the draft. Would have been my top choice. Was my top choice. Don't believe me? Go to 610sports.com. Look up my articles. They're still there. If you want to see it, if you want the proof, you know, we deal in an era where we look for facts. <laughs> I've got your facts. Just go look it up. Have fun with it. Talk to John Kurtz. Kansas State plays Texas Tech later on today. And we started off talking about Texas Tech's quarterback, Jet Duffy, for a preview of Kansas State. John Kurtz. Jet Duffy's been pretty good. Yeah, I think that's that's helped settle some things down for Texas Tech and giving them a chance to push the bowl eligibility here in Matt Wells' first season, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. It's a hard game to really figure out. Vegas, I know, has gone back and forth on who is the favorite. It's, it's been pretty close to a pick kind of a game between K-State and Texas Tech because yeah, Tech has been uh, sort of a tale of two different halves each of the last two weeks. They they fell way behind at TCU last week and then almost made up the difference to come back and win. Week before against West Virginia, they absolutely obliterated the Mountaineers in the first half, and then West Virginia showed some signs of life in the second half. And, and Texas Tech just has not been all that consistent. They've gone through their stretches, so they've played very well. You also think back to the Baylor game. I mean, they really should have beaten Baylor. Uh, they, they got kind of messed over, to be honest, uh, on the call there on the snap in overtime for the Bears that allowed that game to get to overtime that Texas Tech eventually lost. 
So Tech's been pretty close. I don't know that there's all that much difference between Texas Tech and K-State. It's been the one bad game Texas Tech had in Lawrence that is the real separation between those two teams right now. And and I know K-State is concerned about the speed at which Texas Tech plays on offense, uh, trying to get the ball snapped basically 10 seconds after a play is done. It'd be a difficult thing for K-State to deal with, and that's that's at the top of the Wildcats list as far as what they're worried about going into this game. And the one thing about Tech is that defense. That defense is still a concern for Texas Tech. They're last in total defense in the Big 12, ninth out of 10 in rush defense. And uh, the pass defense, dead last in the Big 12 as well. So if there's any solace for Kansas State, they're going against a team that uh, uh, defense is on the field quite a bit, and uh, they have struggled. Yeah, and that's where K-State should be able to run the ball and I. It sounds like a broken record, but every week we have to wait and get these updates on K-State's running backs, James Gilbert and Jordan Brown. Uh, Courtney Messingham, the offensive coordinator, did seem pretty optimistic about James Gilbert being healthier than he has been in a couple of weeks. That should really help. I think Jordan Brown will play too. Uh, but this is a defense that absolutely, you're right, K-State should be able to run the ball against it. And that's the key. K-State will have to get the ground game going because they do not want to be pushing 40 pass attempts in a game like like they did last week. I think ideally K-State would like to be throwing it 20 to 25 times, and that's the recipe for success. And There was just too much put on the passing game in terms of pressure last week because K-State couldn't run the ball. So, yeah, this is one of those put-up-or-shut-up kind of games where, where K-State absolutely has to be able to control the line of scrimmage on the offensive side of the ball in particular. Well, what's kind of the mood around Manhattan with this team? It sounds like they're pretty disappointed in what happened in West Virginia. This team uh, looking at the schedule and maybe a couple more wins to roll into bowl season strong? Yeah, it was a real buzzkill last week. Uh, you had the, the hype build up with the uh, the uniforms, and uh, you know that's turned into a, a talking point once again this week about K-State losing in the alternate uniform. <laughs> We're still I, that's, talking that's uniforms. Bummer, I think for, for a lot of the fan base, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, I, I, think, I think things will be okay. I, I think Right now, this is a program that, with a first-year head coach, is going to experience a lot of ups and downs. They're still getting to know the players. The players are still getting to know the system. I think that's led to some mental layers. If you listen closely to Chris Kleiman throughout the week this week, and sometimes that's going to happen. With a first-year head coach, K-State won a game that they shouldn't have won against Oklahoma. They lost a game that they shouldn't have lost against West Virginia, and they're they're still sitting here with a chance to go seven and five or eight and four, which I, I still think. You're looking at the forest through the trees would be a tremendous first season. So, yeah, fans naturally tend to move the goalposts. You know, if you have success early in the year, win six of your first eight, well, now the expectations have been raised from what they were going into the season, which which can be unfair, to be honest. But I think when the dust settles, K-State will win at least one more game this year because at every twist and turn this season, just when you think you have K-State figured out that, okay, they're 3-0, and they're going to be great, well, nope, they lost two in a row. All right, well, now they're going to really struggle. No, they rip off three straight wins. Now they've lost two in a row again. I think there will be one more turn here where K-State picks up at least another win or two this season, and that'll have fans feeling better going into the offseason. Well, and they are exceeding expectations. They were picked ninth in the Big 12 uh, preseason uh, media rankings, so they're exceeding those expectations. Uh, John, one last thing for you. I wanted to ask you about Dalton Schoen and kind of what he's meant to the program. Here was a guy that came in and, you know, I, you know, preferred walk on. I think that's what he was when he originally went to Kansas State. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely walked on. Yeah. Didn't have many opportunities. And you talk about a guy, you talk about a guy that's made the most of his opportunities, a guy that really wanted to play for Kansas State. 
And, uh, you know, seeing what he's done uh, here locally, you know, he played locally here at Blue Valley Northwest, but uh, Dalton Schoen, a senior, he's got a couple more games left, but, man, he's been fun to watch. He has, and I, I, I appreciate Dalton Schoen a whole lot. It's been really fun talking to him over the years. He's, he's been one of the guys that has talked to the media quite a bit. Um, he was a trusted confidant, really, with Bill Snyder in terms of talking to the media over the last few years, and then he's opened up more now, to be honest, with the new coaching staff where he's not as worried, I think, about what he says in interview settings, and he's turned into one of the biggest leaders that the team has. And it was it was funny. He was actually telling us this week you know, there were some senior day type of questions being asked at him uh, in anticipation of K-State's senior day game next week, and he was actually saying, so he did. He grew up a K-State fan. His dad will say that the first K-State game he went to was the Wildcats win over a top-five Nebraska team in 2000 with the snow coming down, Quincy Morgan putting K-State ahead late in that game. It's one uh, all K-State fans remember. And he grew up wanting to go to K-State. He tried sending his film to Andre Coleman and Del Miller, who were assistants at the time. The Wildcats turned him down, even for a preferred walk-on spot. And it was only Dalton Schoen's persistence that actually got him a spot on the team. He wow. had to continue beating down that door, and it was actually getting a preferred walk-on offer from Oklahoma State that turned into the tipping point and finally forced K-State to acquiesce and, and give Dalton Schoen a spot, which he accepted virtually on the spot. So, man, he's turned into, he's gone from walk-on that I, I did not think anything of when he came into the program into an above-average to good Big 12 receiver. And he has been better than I would have ever anticipated. He deserves a lot of credit for what he's been able to do because he is a really reliable target and great at going up and getting some 50-50 balls, which I know is what K-State tries to do to utilize him. So, love Dalton Schoen. Hope that he closes out his senior year strong, and it's, it's been really fun to watch him at K-State. John Kurtz, Sports Director, K-Man in Manhattan. Follow him on Twitter, at JL Kurtz. Check out his podcast, 435 Podcast Network. Faithful to our colors, all about Kansas State. John, safe trip to Lubbock. We'll talk to you uh, soon. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Jay. Anytime. You go John Kurtz right there, sports director, Kate Man in Manhattan, also does the Faithful to Our Colors podcast about Kansas State football on the 435 Podcast Network. Ohio State already up 7 to nothing on Penn State. Uh, KU down 7 to 3 to Iowa State. Some good college football action today that I'll probably miss. There's one game I'm going to be watching, though. Uh, in ten, I'm going to try to watch all these, but of course the Missouri game. I think it's very important for Barry Odom. This could be his most important game ever. Explain next. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, six ten Sports Radio. Welcome back, Dusty Likens, Nick Price. Have you for out of bounds, noon to three, live and local. Followed by Chris Osero, Julian Carroll, and Julio Sanchez. Kansas six points on the board now. Two field goals. For the Jayhawks, 7-6. to six. And again, Iowa State 24.5-point favorites in this game. Listen, I like Ohio, or Iowa State, like, like Brock Purdy, the quarterback. It's a lot of points for Iowa State to be favored. And I know it's Kansas, but come on. Missouri game tonight would all be watching. Very important for Barry Odom. Missouri has only scored 27 points in their last four games. Not only that. If Mizzou, Mizzou's offense doesn't score 14 points, be the first time since 1989. One Brandon Kiley, who does the True Sun podcast, put out. Failed to do it since 1989. Unbelievable if Missouri Tigers' offense struggles at that point. Tennessee's a team that's been playing better. They're 5-5. Five and five. Missouri should be better than Tennessee at this point. 
Remember when Missouri was 5-1, and one, leading the SEC East, still a game against Georgia to go, still having Florida at home for the Missouri Tigers, the ball band still sitting over their head, still make one, got to win their final two games. They got Arkansas coming up, which is a gimme for the Missouri Tigers, or I thought it was a gimme. Now, Missouri held Florida 3 for 14 on third downs, 56 yards rushing. The defense was doing the job, but the offense is sputtering, sputtering under uh, Derek Dooley. This week, uh, I said Brandon Kiley, is, he produces the drive. He's got the True Sun podcast, which is all about the Missouri Tigers. Check it out, the 435 Podcast Network. The new beat writer for the Missouri Tigers for the Kansas City Star is Suichi Tirada. And he, he joined Brandon this week, and he was asked about the Missouri Tigers. What exactly happened to the Tigers down the stretch? I remember the Saturday before it started in Nashville. I mean, I was looking at, you know, I was looking at the games. I was looking at film. I mean, this team, this offense was just a well-oiled machine at that point, right? I mean, they hadn't scored. I forgot what number exactly, but it was 32 points a game or whatever. They haven't scored below that. I mean, this this was a good football team, and based on what I saw on TV, like I, you could convince me that was a good football team. But it, it's been weird the last four games. I mean. I remember I was talking to it with a couple of buddies of mine, a couple of Mizzou buddies. It was just when when's the last time we've seen a football team collapse like this in the sense that they look so good through the opening six games of the season on offense, even Wyoming included. And then all of a sudden, I mean, they're laying eggs out here. It's it's just been ridiculous. It's, it's, it's honestly kind of surreal to watch. I mean, it, it really is kind of like a Houdini act. I mean, it's just been really weird. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I think. The way, the way, the kind of the vibe I get from the team is that, I mean, we ask, the media asks the team every week, like, what's wrong on offense, what's going on? And every week it's been pretty much the same thing they've been saying in terms of it's the little things, it's the ex- execution thing. So I don't know what happened there. You know, I'm not going to act like I'm, I'm a new football expert yet. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to act like especially that I know football more than the coaches or anything like that. But, I mean, it's weird just this complete narrative shift. I mean, you mentioned, you know, that love letter to Derek Dewey, I mean, People are calling for his job now. Um, earlier this season, I know the narrative around the wider seasons was that maybe not having a go-to guy just spreading the ball is a good thing. Now all of a sudden the question is, is not having a go-to receiver a good thing in terms of they can't get open? I mean, you, you see so many things completely flip upside down, which is just incredible to see mid-season. I mean, usually you see that year to year in terms of the narrative completely flipping, but seeing that happen just completely flipping is, like I said, it's kind of surreal, so... Yeah, I mean, I can't pinpoint anywhere, but I think that's a good starting point for them to do offenses in up to two the past five, six weeks now. Here's Suichi Tirada, who covers the Missouri Tigers for the Kansas City Star. It's one of those bizarre things what happened to him. That, that Wyoming game was completely bizarre because Missouri jumps out to a two-touchdown lead. Things look good. And then Wyoming, almost 300 yards rushing. They really didn't throw the forward pass very well. They just ran the ball all over Missouri. And then you had the bizarre situation at Vanderbilt where Vanderbilt comes down and beats Missouri at, at Vanderbilt. Missouri went on that stretch. They're playing all those road games in the SEC. Vanderbilt was just hammered by UNLV the week before that. It was just odd things that happened. Missouri gives up the 300 yards rushing to Wyoming. Then they turn around, and they were holding teams from rushing. And they've been a good rush defense. And Kel Garrett, the former linebacker from Kearney, the stud at Missouri, got hurt. And I think that did change things for this Missouri uh, tempo on defense. But I will say this. They gave 16 rushing yards to South Carolina. That was it. As I said, 56 to uh, Florida. Here is Barry Odom this week. He's kind of fighting for his job. 
and I look at the body of work that we've done you know, at this point with two games left in year four, we've won more games in four years than any, any coach since I think Warren Powers in four-year time, They're the first four years. The grade point average on what we've produced, the graduation rate, all those things. I know the body of work on what we've done. Do I wish we would have won more up to this point? Absolutely. So does everybody else. Um, we know the foundation and the culture of the locker room that we have. I'm proud of that. I'm at, I'm at uh, a really good spot on knowing what we've got in the staff room, what we've got in our locker room, and what we can do uh, here over the next two weeks or ten days and what that's going to springboard us into next year. And I get it. It was a challenge for them this year with the bull band hanging over their head. It's not good. It was good to Kelly Bryant. I mean, he had a quarterback because they weren't, they weren't going to have this. You think with Taylor Powell this year? No, they went with Kelly Bryant. You know, Kelly Bryant comes in from Clemson. And they, so they had their quarterback, and that's been the thing. But when you start justifying some things of what you've done, that's sometimes not a good sign. Like, he, he's coaching for his job at this point. And I've always liked Barry Odom and like kind of what he stands for. But here's the thing. Nobody cares about grades. Nobody cares what your players are doing in the classroom. They care about one thing and one thing only, and that's called wins. The bottom line is, yeah, there might be. It sounds terrible that some people do care about what the grades are. But let's be honest. It's just like these infractions that come down from the NCAA. How many people really care that your team did that? I guess you care when your team gets caught giving money. But the bottom line is, you know they're trying. You know they're trying to go around and get the player. It's like that stupid thing in Memphis with James Wiseman who got money a long time ago to move his family. Now he's got to pay it back, which is completely ridiculous. How's he going to come up with that money? They can't work as Division One athletes. But nobody really cares about the classroom. They care about production on the football field, and it's about winning. And tonight is a game in Columbia against a team that they should beat. Tennessee's 5-5. Five and five. Missouri was once 5-1. and one. Things were rolling for Missouri. You're talking about this team maybe getting to the SEC title game and not to a bowl game. And that would have been huge. And I don't think the NCAA has been fair to Missouri. I think it's kind of been a joke. But that would have been a giant middle finger to the NCAA had they been able to go to the SEC title game considering this ludicrous bowl ban that they have. The players being punished for something stupid about a rogue tutor. It's dumb. I get it. But I think Barry Odom, I, it would be great. I mean, he could flip this thing around. He beats Tennessee, finishes the, the year with a couple wins. NCAA comes out and says, you know what, we're going to lift this bowl ban. And all of a sudden, Barry Odom takes his team to a bowl game, which isn't the end-all, be-all anymore because half of Division One is in a bowl game anyway, so it doesn't matter with all the bowl games. We have the 42 that we have. It's easier to get there. Coaches are losing their job. Used to be job security make it to a bowl game. Not necessarily, but it's a prime job. It's a great job. The only Division I team in this state. Iowa, two Division I teams. Kansas, two Division I teams. You're the showpiece in the state of Missouri. You know, populated state. You're the end-all, be-all. Kramer, producing the operation. Great job today. Great luck for you tonight. Good luck to do, because I know you're you're embarking on your uh, wrestling career. It begins tonight Thank you, with your debut. Very happy for you. Thank you. That mustache needs work, but I'm happy for you. Are you going to be the stashed marauder? The stashed marauder, probably. The stashed marauder? I'm going to curl these bad boys. Nick and Dusty got some beards, and you'll hear them next.
Out of Bounds comes your direction live with Dusty Likens, Dick Price next. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio.